going on, NBA fans? This is Kevin Haswell coming at you with my co-host Blake Pace on another episode of Courtside Take. Blake, how you doing? Not bad. We had a really interesting week of uh, of basketball. Got to watch the uh, Cavs get blown out again on national TV. Um, but yeah, I, we're gearing up towards the uh, NBA trade deadline this week. All-Star break's coming up soon. A few teams kind of just slowly gearing their way towards the break, hopefully try and find some momentum in the second half of the season. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, we talk about the Cavs every week. I feel like, um, I know me and Blake earlier in the week, we talk about, you know, what topics we're going to do on the show. And, you know, it was really hard for me not to put the Cavs on there. The way they're playing right now, it's tough. I mean, uh, they just look like a different team. It doesn't look like a team that, um, you know, will go deep into the playoffs, go to the finals again. Uh, Ty Lue actually said the other day, uh, the inter- they interviewed him. And he said, we're still a playoff team. It's like, well, is that your new goal to make the playoffs? Because, you know, this team is, is destined for greatness with LeBron on their team. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we won't talk about the Cavs today. We'll sp- spare you guys some of your minutes. Um, but, you know, we've over the last five, four episodes, actually, we've done our position rankings. Um, with We've done point guard, shooting guard, small forward, and power forward. Today we're doing center. Blake, give me your top five centers. Yeah, so like this is really interesting to me. So my top two, I was I felt pretty good about, and then three through five got a little interesting for me. But at five, I have DeAndre Jordan with the Clippers. He's on the trade block right now. Um, this season, eleven and a half points, fifteen rebounds a game, uh, shooting sixty five percent from the field, PR of nineteen point three. I mean, DeAndre Jordan's you know a great defensive player. Um, you just put him in the paint, he protects the rim all game. Um, you know reasons why I have him at five. Still a bad uh, free throw shooter. Still at fifty eight point eight percent. A lot better than last year, though. Uh, yeah, a lot better than last year, and you know, way above his career average of forty four, um, <laughs> which is it's just bad. Um, and then you know, offensive uh, rating one twenty six. It's that's incredible. It's tough when you lose your when you lose Blake Griffin and yeah. uh, Chris Paul to get things going, but. Nevertheless, you know, he's still a top center, and he's one of the hottest pieces in this final week. Um, so I have him at number five. And at number four, I have Hassan Whiteside. Um, you know, this season, 14 points, just under 12 rebounds, um, shooting 55% from the field. You know, 100% three-point shooter this year. How many attempts? Four? Uh, let's see. He has got totals. Three points attempted, two. Two Ooh, hey, two. two for two. There you go. He knows when to strike it. Yeah, the biggest thing for me having him, I mean, he's a great defender as well. Um, I watched him, actually, I watched the first quarter of the Sixers Heat game on Saturday, and Joel Embiid had a uh, a pretty bad first quarter, and that was all because of Whiteside. He's a great defender. Um, reasons I have him above DeAndre Jordan, higher PER, 24.5, and, you know, from the free throw line, he shoots 73.6%, which is good for, you know, a, a center who's mostly supposed to be a rim protector, so he's at number four. Number three, uh, Andre Drummond who's having probably his, the best season of his career so far. 15 points, over 15 rebounds a game, just under four assists. He's shooting 55% from the uh, field, 24.1 PER. You know, um, Detroit had a really great start to the season. They stumbled down a little bit, um, made another big move that we'll talk about soon. But, um, yeah, he's he's having a great year. He's turned into a passer. He's fitting into Stan Van Gundy's offense. Um, I really like the play that he's done this year, and for only being – 24 years old he's got some potential to grow of course you know with these three centers that i've just mentioned and that's this is why none of them are one or two is they can't space the floor and you know in today's nba that's that's huge and so um unfortunately i i can't consider any of the three 
potential to be the best center in the league because, you know, you need to be able to shoot. Um, and then at number two, I have Joel Embiid. Um, yep, Kevin just flexed. Uh, I know you can't see that, but that's how excited he was. Uh, Joel is averaging 23.6 points, 11 rebounds, 3.3 assists, um, shooting 48% from the field, 78% from the free throw line, PR 22.6. Um, you know, Joel Embiid, as long as he's healthy, you know, he's he's a, he's the top two center. And it was actually reported today that he'll start to play back-to-back, so that can be great for his career. Exactly, yeah. And, and he'll only continue to get better as long as he gets healthier, and, you know, the future is bright in Philadelphia, and it's, it's mainly, you know, because of him. And then at number one, who just went down to the most unfortunate injury, um, I loved watching this team play. DeMarcus Cousins is my number one center in the league. Um, before he went down... Uh, 25.2 points per game, 12.9 rebounds, over five assists, shooting you know 47% from the field, 35% from three, PR of 23.0. He is the most dominant center in the league. Um, I believe that you know he he and Anthony Davis they had a full year together under their belts and they were just grooving, grinding um, without wing players, without you know a good small forward. Um, and it was so sad to watch him go down to this injury because now you got to wonder about, you know, what's happening with his contract and where he's going to be playing next season. But um, to me, he's still the number one center in the league. Oh, that's incredible. I, I mean, I, I'm shocked that you don't have Carl Anthony Towns in your top five. Uh, you'll be very interested to see where I have him at. Yeah. So number one, I got Hassan Whiteside. Um, you know, I, I really number like five. five. Five, gotcha. I, I really like him as a player. I really like, you know, the size. I like his game all around. I mean, it's Player efficiency range twenty four point five, which is through the roof for a center. I mean, he's been great this year. But the one knock I have on him is he really decides when he wants to try on the court. It's the one knock. Um, you know, if he played a hundred percent all the time, he might be the best center in basketball. So um, that's the one knock. But you know, great, great player, and uh, I'm excited to have him at number five. Number four, another player you didn't mention, Rudy Gobert. I think Rudy Gobert. The defensive presence he brings to you know any team. I mean, he had 2.6 blocks per game last year, 2.5 this year, uh, shooting 66% last year, 58% this year. I mean, he he's been terrific. I, I he's one of the best defenders in all of basketball. Definitely the best center uh, defender. And I don't, I just don't know how you left him off there. Do you have an explanation for that? Uh, for leaving Rudy Gobert off, I guess. Um, I don't know. I think he's. I I just. I think uh, Hassan Whiteside, DeAndre Jordan, they're more athletic versions. I feel like they can do more in creating their own attempts at the rim. I, I like them as, you know, solid rebounders. Uh, Rudy Gobert, you know, honestly, six or seven to me. Um, I guess, you know, I also think that, you know, he missed a bit of this season um, with some injuries and he lost Gordon Hayward, so that hurt a lot for him this season. But, um, yeah, I still think he's a, you know, top seven center. I probably have him at seven. Um, you have Carl Anthony Towns at six. At six, yeah. Okay. All right. So number three, I got Andre Drummond. You know, he's he's another one of those players that's improved his free throw percentage this year up to sixty one percent, which is honestly pretty good considering he was down in the forties earlier in his career. But you know, fifteen points, fifteen rebounds, can't argue with that. He's also become a better passer this year. Three point eight assists, uh, kind of underlying. Uh, highest free throw percentage, or his free throw percentage this year is higher than his career average, 55.1%. And his, P, his player efficiency range is 24.1. I mean, 
can't argue with those stats. Uh, Andre Drummond so valuable as Pistons team. I'm excited to see how his game evolves with Blake Griffin on his side because you know mm-hmm. he, Blake Griffin helped out DeAndre Jordan so much in the paint. So uh, that'll be an interesting combo. Then I have Joel Embiid, my boy, at number two. Uh, you know his, his stats are are through the roof this year. I mean, 23.6 points, 11 uh, rebounds a game. You know, only shooting 48%, which is one knock for a center. I mean, usually they're mid to high 50s. Um, on field goal percentage and you know I wish he would shoot a little bit better from three-point range he's only shooting uh, 28% from three this year so that definitely needs to improve if he wants to be more of a stretch center but you know defensively all around I I love Joel Embiid I think he's got a bright future and like you said I mean he just has to stay healthy Uh, Carl Anthony Towns actually have his number one I think he's the most talented center in basketball uh, you know, 19.9 points per game, 12.2 rebounds, 54% from the field, 84% from the line, which yeah. it's almost twice as good as DeAndre Jordan and Andre Drummond, who on DeAndre Jordan I did leave off of here. Um, player efficiency rating of 24.1, and his, actually his win shares are nine this year, which comparatively to other players is much higher. Uh, Andre Drummond is 6.9. Hassan Whiteside is 3.5. Joel Embiid's only 3.8, and Carl Anthony Towns is nine. So highest win share of any center on my list. You know, I I also have to add to this that he's playing on the best team um, of any center we've yeah. talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the Timberwolves are, are positioned to compete in the West, unlike, you know, the Pistons, who are fighting for a playoff spot, the Sixers, who are fighting for a playoff spot, the Jazz, which are outside the playoffs, and the Heat, which are middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference, which is like the D-League. So yeah. <laughs> I, I really like Carl Anthony Towns. The G-League, don't forget about Gatorade. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I like Carl Anthony Towns. I think he's a clear-cut number one, but, you know, we'll agree to disagree. Yeah, considering I guess you I, didn't have him in the top five. I guess I'd have him in my top five. You didn't put DeMarcus Cousins in because he's oh, out I, for the season. Yeah, and, and the one thing, I would he would be my number one if he was playing right now gotcha. and if he okay. didn't, if the injury wasn't so severe. I mean, a, rug, a guy who plays so hard um, all the time and is a great scorer and relies on his elevation, I don't know how that ruptured Achilles is going to – you know, affect the rest of his career. So I, I'm not quick to throw him in over guys that are healthy and performing. Yeah, and, you know, my, my biggest knock on Carl Anthony Towns since the day he entered the league was, you know, how not bad but how average he was on defense. Um, you know, he has a career defensive box plus minus of .8, which, um, and this season a 1.3, which is lower than all the centers that I had in my top five. Um, so I think that it, it just puzzles me that you have Tom Thibodeau there, you have defensive minds like Jimmy Butler in there, Taj Gibson, who's a good defender, and yet, you know, Carl Anthony Towns still has improved on the defensive end. Um, yeah, he's he's one of the bright stars and the bright futures of the NBA. Um, I just, with all these guys that I have before him, uh, I just, you know, I, I think that protecting the paint is, is a, is a big um, part of the game to be a center. Yes, he's changing the game. He can shoot. Um, he can space the floor kind of like Cousins and Embiid, but Cousins and Cousins and Embiid are also better defensively. Yeah, but, you know, I, I think his value on how he spreads the floor is almost more valuable than, let's say, Hassan Whiteside in the paint because yeah. Hassan Whiteside doesn't bring anything offensively um, to the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, his offensive box plus minus was negative this year, I'm pretty sure, um, when we looked at it. Yeah, negative so, 2.5. Yeah, so really, you know, he's a liability in the offensive end, and what Carl Anthony Towns can bring to that offense – um, I think his defense will come around, uh, get a little bit so. better. I mean, 
coming out of the draft, people thought he could be, you know, a defensive player of the year type talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and you pair him with one of the best defensive coaches in basketball. I mean, it's a no brainer. So, you know, maybe he'll turn it around. But, you know, we'll move on. I, I, I liked our top fives. Yeah. Um, I think there's really a top seven. And then, yeah, and then the rest. Drops off yeah. So, Definitely. kind of an interesting debate. Um, but I really enjoyed going through those yeah. you know, those power rankings. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. So we'll move on. Los Angeles Clippers made a blockbuster trade last week, about two hours after we ended our podcast. <laughs> we weren't unable to talk about it. Uh, they traded Bryce Johnson, Willie Reed, and most importantly, Blake Griffin to the Detroit Pistons for Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, Boban. How do you remember? Marjanovic. There you go. And uh, first and second round pick. I mean, Blake, what, what's your first reaction? What was your first reaction on this trade? And, you know, now that it's been a week, what, what do you think of it? Yeah, at first I was really shocked. Um, I remember just uh, standing in line waiting for some food. I got the alert on my phone. And I was like, I get, the first reports were, oh, this this trade is, you know, in the works. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And then, you know, 15 minutes later it was already completed. So you found out that it, they had been talking about it for a few days and that it was basically agreed upon Monday morning. Um, the trade surprised me, especially when you heard the story of how they convinced Blake Griffin to stay the Clippers. You know, they brought him through this whole – representation of him you know in the future hanging his jersey in, in, the, in, in the Raptors up there um and so it just shows you the 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 uh loyalty bias you know that the players are supposed to be loyal to their franchises but the franchises are never loyal to their players um but you know in terms of something besides that I love this trade for the Clippers um you know, we've been in the mindset, and you've said this multiple times, if you're not going to be competing for a finals, then why are you not building for the future? Um, you know, Blake Griffin, um, a great talent, is, you know, he's he's got a couple question marks. His health, he can't, he's not as athletic anymore. He doesn't have the hops that he used to have. And, and that's kind of scary when he's getting old and you're paying him, you know, 30 plus million um, a year and, you know, getting up towards 38 towards the end of that contract. Um I like the return. I think Avery Bradley is a good shooting guard, great two-way player, especially, you know, you lost you lost J.J. Redick, uh, you lost Jamal Crawford. Putting him at the two is solid. Um, you do have Lou Williams, but, you know, he's also, he probably should be on the move soon. Um, and then Tobias Harris, you know, a solid small forward. You don't have to keep him for too long. I think his contract runs up at the end of next season. Um, so if you, you want to keep him, great. Um, if not, that's totally up, that's totally up to them. Um it's for Detroit. It's kind of a desperation move to me for Stan Van Gundy, and that you kind of see it coming when you've got a head coach who's also the general manager. Um, when you've got the head coach and he's the general manager, and he knows that hey, you know I haven't had much success here. Maybe my time's coming to an end. Being the general manager, you can make a bold trade in this kind of like last hurrah to save your job. Well, it was actually reported that the Pistons ownership mandated that they make the playoffs this year so that might have had something to do with it um so it kind of goes in what you're saying i mean they don't make the playoffs probably loses his job so you know and it's just it's concerning because you know i think that coaches should be coaches general managers should be general managers you saw they took away doc rivers um ability to be a general manager and just just coach i think that you put too much power in the hands of one person and you kind of have that in detroit right now and um you know, I'm I'm scared for the Pistons. I I like the idea. I, I was like, oh, this is so cool having Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. You know, Andre Drummond's improved his passing this season. Blake Griffin's a great passing power forward, but he also gave up a great defending guard who was you know not old. He gave up a score small forward, small ball power forward, and um, I don't know. 
it, it, it was desperate on Stan Van Gundy's part. If they have to make the playoffs, and you know he's going to do what he has to do. But I think long term, you're, you're looking a few years into the future. You're playing. You're paying Blake Griffin thirty eight million dollars. Who knows if he's going to even be playing? Then he might just be banged up and too uh, unhealthy to play. What do you think about the trade? You know, I, at first I was like, "Wow, Pistons making moves," and then I looked at the standings. You know, really sat down and thought about it, and I really didn't like the move for the uh, for the Pistons. I mean, you think about how much money is going to be tied down to these guys. I don't think they'll be able to hold on to Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin for the for you know maybe I mean past this year obviously, but these guys were signed what three more years each, so and they're signed to well over thirty million a year, so. I don't think this is a long-term solution for the Pistons. I think it was, you know, we need to make the playoffs this year. Um, you know, we need to please ownership, and and that's not the right move. That's not that's really really nearsighted. You need to be, you need to be looking towards the future at all times in the NBA, especially with you know the Warriors uh, and some other teams being really good. Um, it's not your time. Wait for your time, and and it's a great move for the Clippers because they get Avery Bradley, who you know, big fan of. I also think. That they could end up flipping him because his contract expires after this year. Oh, so after this year. yes, gotcha. he becomes an unrestricted free agent after this season. So I think they might flip him, Lou Williams, and DeAndre Jordan, maybe in probably in separate trades. Wow. But think about the package they can get for that. Not only that, I mean Tobias Harris, um, they could probably trade him next year. I don't think he's a, you know a future guy. Uh, he's like 28, 29 years old. So. You know, I, I like this move for the Pistons. I mean, they also get the or for the Clippers. They get a first round pick and the second round pick. I mean, it, it's a win win. I mean, they got rid of a, a huge contract and brought in some valuable players. I huge fan of it. And you know, the direction of the Clippers. Uh, you know, after trading Chris Paul and the signing trade, you know, was definitely towards the future. And, and holding on to Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan was just a waste. Um, so I think they didn't make that final move. They need to get rid of DeAndre Jordan. I think that's the, the final piece to the puzzle. Um, if they can get rid of him and Lou Williams and even Avery Bradley, then I would say this season's a huge success for the Clippers because they'll be looking straight towards the future, hopefully with you know two or three first-round picks and um, you know a bunch of young players. But you know, definitely, if you could give this a grade, what would you give it? Uh, for the Clippers, I'd give it a B. I think you know you upset the fan base, which is why I wouldn't give it an A. You upset the fan base by you, know, you probably upset Blake Griffin too, who you promised you know his jersey up in the Raptors by the time his career was done. Um, so I give them a B for you know the Pistons. I'm kind of scared. I'd probably go you know like a C minus D. Um, I think it has potential to just blow up in their face, and you know there are certain situations where a great power forward center combination works in the NBA. And that is, you know, like what you have in new Orleans with DeMarcus cousins and Anthony Davis, but both of them are great offensive talents and great defensive talents. And um, yeah, it's nice if they can complement one another, but if they're both studs at, at doing both, then, then you're fine. And um, I just don't see that. I don't see Andre Drummond's offense developing uh, outside of the paint. Blake Griffin's defense has been getting shoddy uh, the past few seasons. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's my grade. C-minus for, uh, for the Pistons and a B for the Clippers. I would probably go a C uh, for the Pistons. You know, I, I really like, you know, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond is about as close to Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan as you can get, yeah. um, that combination. So I think that'll be pretty successful. They'll give some teams some headaches if they, they're able to make the playoffs down low. I mean, the Clippers did it for years. Um, you know, Even though they didn't get deep in the playoffs every year, they give teams headaches down low. So, you know, definitely good. But 
if you look, if you, if I was going to give a grade on their future now, it's it's an F. I mean, they they tied up so much money, um, and they're not they're not going to contend with this team. I mean, they might, you know, maybe win a playoff round. Maybe um, the Eastern Conference is pretty weak, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. But you know, I bad trade for bad trade for the Pistons. But the Clippers, I give like a B plus. Um, they obviously could have gotten a better haul, but a first round pick, a second round pick. A great two-way player in Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, who's you know just a solid power forward, and then Boban. I mean that that's a great trade, um, but you know it's just unfortunate that the Pistons would go out and make that trade. Yeah, and I mean you know looking now, there's still you know a whole another half of the season. They're a half game out of the playoffs right now, so they're they're still there. And honestly, you even look at the Clippers; they're also at the nine seed right now too. So they're the, both teams are at the nine seed. Um, you know, of course, it'll be tougher for the Clippers yeah. to get in than the. Um, than the Pistons, but could you imagine if the Pistons don't get into the playoffs this year? That, that would turn this trade into a quick F. Oh, yeah, that's bad. That's if, if, they, if they somehow miss out on the playoffs and they can't get in there with how weak the Eastern Conference is and you're paying Drummond and Blake Griffin that much money, uh, that is not a good look for the future of Detroit. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, we'll move on. So our next topic, talking about you know teams outside the playoffs. You know, we, Week by week, we always talk about teams that are clearly in the playoffs um, you know, it's just the more, more entertaining. We don't give enough um, love to the teams like the Nets, the Bulls, the teams at the bottom of the standings. So, you know, I was thinking this week we we go through a team each that has the brightest future out of the bunch. Uh, Blake, we'll start with you. What team at, that currently is not in the playoff picture really catches your eye for the future? Um, yeah, so the first thing I thought about was I wanted to talk about the Knicks, but I talk about the Knicks enough when I get the chance, and Honestly, their future could just be as awful as it always appears to be. They, they always find a way to screw it up. So I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm staying in the Eastern Conference with a team that you already mentioned, and that's the Chicago Bulls. Um, I love the young talent that they have right now. I mean, Laurie Markkinen yet, uh, averaging 15 points, seven, uh, almost eight rebounds a game, um, shooting just about 50% um, from inside the three, shooting 36 from the three. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the pick when they put, took him at seven this year, um, but that was also might because I just wasn't I didn't know enough about his game. But he's really impressed me and seems to be like their four. And that's why they traded uh, Nikola Mirotic is because they've got Markin in there and they trust him. And so um, he's six years younger and going to be a lot cheaper. Exactly. And then you know you look at the next guy I I have to look at is Chris Dunn, um, averaging almost fourteen points a game, shooting forty three percent from the field. He's got a Four and a half rebounds a game, over six assists a game. Um, people wanted to label him as a bust right from the start. You know, he was a four four year guy at Providence. Um, did I say that right? Is he yeah. Providence? Yeah, yeah, thought so. And um, first season in Minnesota, it was a wash. You know, he he didn't have a great year. He was in part of that trade that would, was with uh, Jimmy Butler, and he's really grown a lot this season. And I can see him as a solid starting point guard um, for the future. He's only twenty three years old. And then the last, the last two guys I'd mentioned, I mean, you've got the likes of Zach Levine. You know, he, he's trying to develop his game into not just this, you know, amazing dunker. You know, he, he's shooting 37% from three, um, you know, almost three assists a game, four and a half rebounds. Um, also 22 years old. So you've, you've got Laurie Markkinen, 20 years old, Chris Dunn, 23, Zach Levine, 22, uh, Bobby Portis is 22. You've got Denzel Valentine, 24. Jerry and Grant, who I liked out of Notre Dame, 25 years old. Uh, you've got a lot of potential with these young guys, and you don't need all of them to hit. You need a few of them to hit, a few of them to become solid rotation players, 
And, you know, Chicago could be on the come up in that not, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say that they're, you know, a lock to be a playoff team next year, but you give them two seasons and they can keep this uh, rotation and keep them healthy, add a few pieces, they're definitely a playoff team in the East. Yeah, I mean, if you take out take out Nikola Mirotic, I mean, they have six guys that are scoring in double figures this year. I mean, Denzel Valentine, you might as well call that double figures. That's yeah. seven because he's at 9.9 points per game. I mean, there's some bright future here. There's no no one in the 30s on this team. Uh, the the oldest person on the team uh, is is Robin Lopez, and, I mean, he's not a long-term guy, so um, he's there for just the immediate future. So I, I like this team. I, I like some of the draft picks they've made over the years. I, I think – they they won that Jimmy Butler trade with Chris Dunn, Laurie Marketing. They also get a first round pick. I don't believe they did, um, but you know that that was a great trade for them. I mean, Marketing is looking like he's you know part of the next big future of the NBA. They got the pick that was uh, Laurie Marketing. Yeah, that, okay, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I think they won this trade. I mean, Chris Dunn. It's hard to believe that Chris Dunn's really turned it around this much because he only averaged about three points a game last year in 17 minutes, um, and this year he's up to over 30, about 30 minutes a game, and like you said, 13, six, and four. So, um, and, and the field goal percentage. I mean, he shot 37 percent last year. He's up to 43 percent this year. So, you know, I, I really like this team, um, like you said, and, and it'll be interesting. But my team is the Sacramento Kings. Um, you know, some of the young talent they have on this team, I just don't see how they can't be good in the, uh, in, in the next two to three years. I mean, Willie Cauley-Stein uh, leading, the, or not leading the team in scoring, second on the team and third on the team in scoring, uh, averaging 12.4 points, 6.8 rebounds. Um, I really like what I've seen out of him. Zach Randolph, not part of the immediate future, is 36. Don't know what that signing was all about, but, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the young players. Buddy Heald. I really like getting him in the DeMarcus Cousins trade because he can be one of the best shooters in the NBA um, You know, in the next couple of years. I mean, he's shooting uh, 43% from three-point land this year. That That's pretty good. Uh, he's almost shooting higher percentage from three-point than he is from um, his total field goal percentage, so that's great. De'Aaron Fox is probably my favorite point guard out of last year's draft. Um, I was a big fan. I thought he was better than Lonzo Ball. And, you know, while his stats aren't you know jumping through the roof this year, um, 41% from the field, 11.2 points per game, 4.2 assists. I think the minutes will come. Uh, he gets up there in 35 minutes. He's averaging, you know, what, 15, 16 points a game, mm-hmm. six, seven assists a game. I think he'll be a great NBA player. Um, I think they trade George Hill uh, before the deadline. I think, you know, they could get some value for him. But, you know, they have some players down here. You know, Frank Mason could be a solid contributor uh, in the NBA. Justin Jackson could end up being. And then we haven't seen even seen – I don't believe we've seen Harry Giles on the floor yet. So um, he had surgery on both knees, and he's going to miss the rest of the season. But he showed some great potential to be a, a great NBA player. So I, I like the future of the Sacramento Kings, and I, you know, I, I think it's going to be two or three years before they're able to compete. But you know, I really like them. Yeah, and I even going for I like uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, twenty-five-year-old rookie this year um, came from overseas. He's a lights out shooter um this season 39 percent from three yeah yeah 39 percent from the three 47 from the field um i think he's got potential to be a great three and d guy um in this league if, if he can just keep his defense improving um the shots there and yeah like you said like i was watching a king's game um friday night against the warriors and i was like i was thinking to myself oh who's the starting lineup and i was like oh De'Aaron fox uh buddy healed Maybe you throw Willie in Willie Cauley-Stein, but I didn't expect, you know, guys like uh, Justin Jackson to be starting and Bogdan Bogdanovich to be starting already. They're getting quality minutes as young guys, and that's going to help them learn so much. And I guess that's 
that's maybe the only good thing that you can think about about being a, one of the worst mm-hmm. teams in the league with no real veteran leadership besides, you know, Zach Randolph and George Hill. You have guys that are getting exposure to the NBA at an early age, and, you know, that means a lot for their development over the next few years. And so, you know, the Kings, you know, the, the West is very tough, but, you know, eventually those teams are going to get old, and they've got a pretty young roster too. Yeah, and, you know, you keep losing, you keep getting top draft picks, you keep stacking exactly. up the young players, and, I mean, it's only going to be good for them. I mean, it, I was just random thought. I was looking at the roster, and it's hard to believe that Van, Vince Carter is 41, De'Aaron Fox is 20. There's a 21-year difference. That's just eye-opening for me. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we'll – We'll move on. Um, so, you know, couple, the Suns released uh, Greg Monroe. He was out in the market, and then he ended up signing with the Celtics. Blake, what do you make of this signing? Can Greg Monroe really help this Celtics team a ton? Yeah, definitely. I think so, um, especially in the second unit. Um, this year, um, between his two teams, 10 points a game, 7.5 rebounds, shooting 60% from the field. Not a great free throw shooter, but a 19.9 PER, that's above you know your average starting position. And I, I expect him to come off the bench with Boston. Um, he just he he's just another guy that I think, you know, Brad Stevens will just throw anyone into this rotation um, and make it work. And and you know, I wasn't a big fan of their backup centers this year. They've got uh, Baines, um, but you know, not a real big guy to stand in the paint once Al Horford goes to the bench. And even Horford's not really the most athletic big man that yeah. you can have. He's getting a little old. So I really think that it's, you know, it's a really solid pickup for them, especially when you think, you know, in the, in the, uh, Eastern conference, you know, if I'm thinking about stopping teams like, you know, like the Cavs and LeBron James, I, I want to protect the paint. You know, if you want to take advantage of, of the wizards in the postseason, they don't have a great, uh, front court um milwaukee doesn't have a great front court you know i'm, I'm not the biggest Jonas valanciunas fan um I, I guess him and abaka are a good combination but i think that greg monroe is just another guy that you can throw in there and can have an impact for the celtics and you know the, the way that the celtics look i know we said we weren't going to talk about the Cavs, but you know the celtics just continue to impress me um they went down the, they a couple of their wings went down in a shooting slump the past few weeks but they're back on track you know i really it's getting really interesting, the guys that they get um, in in terms of making it to the finals and beating the Cavs out. If they could go and trade for Tyreek Evans, I know that's our next sec- uh, segment to talk about the trade deadline. Um, that'd be a solid fit, but we'll talk about that in a little. Yeah, you know, I, I like the Greg Monroe signing. The best thing you can do going into the playoffs is get as much depth as you can. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, while he, he's not, you know, a flashy name, um, he'll go out there and, 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 you know, help the team where he needs to. Um, they don't really need him to be the scorer that he used to be. Um, but, you know, he he can provide solid minutes off the bench, uh, provide some help to Al Horford, give him some time on the bench. Um, and come playoff time, it's just another weapon they can add to this team to make it tougher on the Cavs. And, you know, I, I like Greg Monroe. been a fan for him for a while. So, you know, I, not much else to say about Greg Monroe. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just so important when you get to this point of the season to be able to give some of your older starters some rest. Um so, you know, if, if you want to sit out Al Horford for a couple games, you can throw Greg Monroe in there at starting yeah. center. Like, he's been a starter this year. Um, so I think that, you know, this is it's really important to have the depth. And Brad Stevens realizes this. He sees the big picture that, hey, this Celtics team has the chance to make it to the finals. And you, you saw them play against the Warriors the other day. They had a really great game together, the two of them. Um, it, it, that would be an amazing finals matchup. But um, you got to give your guys the chance to be healthy when that mm-hmm. time comes. And, 
and just filling in with putting bodies on that roster will just you know set them up for even more success. Yeah, I'm excited to see you know after Thursday. Uh, after Thursday, if the Cavs don't make a move, then I'll start to be a little worried about their yeah. fate against the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, but until then, it's really hard to say if the if the Celtics can still beat the Cavs. Um, but we'll move on to our last topic. We're running out of time. Uh, NBA trade deadline is actually Thursday, um, four o'clock. You know we've already had a good amount of trades, some blockbusters. Uh, we but predicted one. We got the Nikola Mirotic trade correct. Yeah, the Pelicans. We got uh, that one. Yeah, they they traded uh, him for Omar Sheik, Tony Allen, Jameer Nelson, and a first round pick um, for Mirotic. So and a second round, they got a second round pick with Mirotic. So you know, not not a bad trade for the Pelicans. Um, kind of a short sighted trade. I don't know why. Uh, they go out and get him because they're. I mean, I don't know if they can really play him at small forward next year when they have Demarcus Cousins, um, and, and you know the rest of that team. But we'll see. Uh, you know, what, what are you looking forward to the most for this trade deadline? I guess I'm going back to the Cavs again. Or I, actually, no. You know, more specifically, DeAndre Jordan. Um, he can he can really change the game for some teams in the East. Um, said it before, I love his fit in Milwaukee. I think a solid rim protector to go alongside the offensive mind of Jabari Parker, who is now back and healthy. I'm glad to see him return this past Friday. Um, but, you know, the Bucks are finding their way now without Jason Kidd. They've got some wins under their belt since then. They're getting healthier. DeAndre Jordan would be a solid fit for them. Um, if not, you know, look at Washington. They're slipping a little now because they don't have John Wall. You know, hopefully they can, you know, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter can keep them afloat come the playoffs. Um, but that's another guy, you know, like I've said, not a big fan of Marcin Gortat. DeAndre Jordan, huge upgrade defensively. Um, and, you know, the pick and roll combination between him and Wall would be something amazing. Yeah. And then the last destination, Cleveland. Um, they have issues. They have so many issues. You, you, you just... Every time, I think they're 0-7 now against the top four teams in the Western Conference this they're year. Even more surprising, they're 0-8 on live uh, on primetime oh, prime games time. this year. Yeah, like it, it, it's bad. They've got stuff wrong with them. They're trying to figure it out. They're too old on their bench for me. Um, I'd love to see them try and get some younger players. And DeAndre Jordan's just a, an athletic body to put at center. Can help them so much defensively. I love the pairing of Kevin Love and DeAndre Jordan at the four and five together. I think it's a huge upgrade over uh, Tristan Thompson. over Tristan Thompson. You know, off the bench. You know, getting him um, the the twos rotation off the bench. J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver having kind of down years. Amon Shumpert, especially if you can package him with Lou Will, that that would make the world. Yeah, you know, I, I think. The team the most desperate for a move right now has got to be the Cavaliers. Yeah. I mean, no doubt. Um, they need to complete this trade for DeAndre Jordan for the reasons you just highlighted. I mean, if they don't make the moves there, I'm not I'm not exactly sure they win the Eastern Conference. Um, and I think it's more, even more importantly than just getting DeAndre Jordan, I think it's shipping off some guys and, you know, really showing the team, hey, if you're not going to buy into the culture, you don't, you're not going to be here. We're mm-hmm. going to ship you elsewhere. So... You know, some of those guys like J.R. Smith, you know, um, some of those other guys off the bench that really, you know, aren't playing both ways, got to get rid of them because at the end of the day, it's all about culture in the NBA and and the team that, you know, exemplifies that the most is obviously the Warriors, but they have all the talent and the best culture and that's why they win so many games. So it's important for this Cavaliers team to find, you know, the, the right culture um, and I think making a trade for a defensive-minded center would be perfect, um, especially, you know, Alongside Kevin Love, it, it would help him space the floor tremendously. I mean, it'd be yeah. an offensive threat. 
that they don't have with Tristan Thompson. I mean, Tristan Thompson's out there on offense to just get offensive rebounds. Um, he's not quite the scorer. So they, they need to make this move happen. I think it would give Tristan Thompson more uh, confidence coming off the bench as well. So, yeah. you know, I... It's a it's a win win here. I mean, if you have to give up the Brooklyn pick, I'd give up the Brooklyn pick at this point. I mean, you're not going to be able to draft a DeAndre Jordan with the Brooklyn pick, so why not trade for him and, and you know maybe sign him? Because even after this year, if LeBron leaves, you could still you know have Isaiah Thomas, Kevin Love, and DeAndre Jordan. That's not a bad team, especially you know if LeBron goes west, then the Eastern Conference. I mean, it's just them and the Celtics. So you know that that might be good enough to win the Eastern Conference, especially if Isaiah Thomas you know is the is the focus of the offense i mean he might turn it around so i mean i think they have to make this trade um and if they don't i'm gonna be very disappointed because you know i nothing better than watching lebron win in the playoffs yeah and one last team i know i mentioned three in the eastern conference i think that um deandre would be a great fit for um in the west the portland trailblazers sitting at 29 and 24 they're the sixth seed right now they could put move nurkic use of nurkic to the four have deandre jordan at the five you know, they have a chance to maybe even take that four seed. They're only, what, three and a half games from the four seed right now. Damian Lillard is playing lights out. McCollum is too. They've got it grooving. If they could make an upgrade, maybe trade away a big contract young player and a, maybe a second-round pick for DeAndre Jordan, immediate upgrade for them defensively. And, uh, you know, even, like I said, with John Wall and DeAndre Jordan doing the pick-and-roll game, that Damian Lillard would be amazing to watch. Yeah, I mean, the the Trailblazers have always been there, and it's it, they're – you know, we've talked about this on the show. You know, if you're not contending, you might as well start rebuilding. We've talked about on the show uh, who would you keep between Damian Lillard uh, and C.J. McCollum. But at the end of the day, if they trade for DeAndre Jordan, I think they're you know quickly in the mix in the Western mm-hmm. Conference. I mean, um, they'll, they'll be more middle of the path. They won't be top of the Western Conference. They won't be with the likes of the Rockets and the Warriors. But you know, definitely competitive with teams like the Thunder um, and the Timberwolves. So I think you know. Either the Cavs or Trailblazers, like we talked about. I mean, both great fits for DeAndre Jordan, um, but it, it's going to depend on what you have to give up. I mean, if you have to give up first round pick in your Portland and you're trying to, you know, build a team, then it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the Cavs are kind of on their last, you know, their last hope. Their last hope. So, um, got to make that move. But you know, that will wrap us up for today. Uh, another great episode, Blake. As always, go Knicks. Go Knicks. Um, I just said go Knicks. I mean, go Sixers. Um, You know, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next week. Have a good one, guys.